0: Welcome back to D-Plus Students. I'm Dakota. I'm Andy. I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And the movie that we're going to be reviewing today is The Color of Friendship. So I say The Color of Friendship and I think everyone goes, oh. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> like I didn't want to cheer, but this is a really good movie. I know. I was like, I normally go
2: like, woo. And I'm I know. like, <laughs> oh, it does, it is it appropriate like today?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Have we all seen this movie? Yes. Nope. Oh, okay. I thought you had.
3: No, I have not.
1: Okay. Um, Chris, you haven't either? I've seen it, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes, okay. So, Aaron, based off this poster, uh, which is, let me see, I'll do the thing. We've got a kind of black and white painted background. We have a student on the left-hand side who is um, white or Caucasian and blonde and we have a student on the right-hand side, which is black, and it says, the color of friendship in orange, green, and purple, and the tagline is, look beyond black and white and you'll find the color of friendship. And that's it, it's a very simple poster. I think it's also blue, so I think it's
0: orange, maybe yellow, green, and blue, it's kind of purple, it's kind of hard to tell about the colors that are that are here, but it's stripes mm-hmm. in the color of right. friendship. And we can tell that they're students because they're wearing backpacks. Yes.
3: (laughs) Okay, so I don't have a good read on this one. Okay. uh, Right off bat. Obviously, this is... It looks like they're becoming... It's about them accepting each other for who they are and becoming friends is how I'm feeling and looking past the obvious racial divide. It looks like maybe they're... I can't tell if this is intentional, but it looks like maybe they're dressed in um, some mid-60s-esque garb. Very so good. So is this something that is like anti-segregation? Is this where they start desegregating the schools and these people become friends? I'm not sure.
0: I oh, oh, That's that. a great guess.
3: Yeah.
1: Very intuitive, Aaron. Yeah.
3: Is it? Is it a period piece?
1: Kind of. From what I remember, yes. So it's obviously this came out in 2000. We're now in our second 2000 movie, but it yes, it does not take place in 2000.
0: I don't believe. Mm-hmm. I don't believe so either. I think I think it is in the I don't think it's as early as the 60s, but I I do think it is prior to this.
1: I did Google if you want yeah. me to answer that. Okay, what's the answer? Yeah, go for it. So um yes, it takes place in 1977. Okay. Oh, okay, well, that checks out. Off. Well, that's pretty close actually. I mean, to be fair, until you'd said that, I wasn't sure that it was a period piece. So you already jogged part of my memory.
3: Right. It's definitely they're in like what would be still fashionable in a modern sense, but it is, it's very retro.
1: Right. Like there's still clothes I would definitely see out today, but especially mm-hmm. um, the girl on the right, her kind of squiggly striped top mm-hmm. is definitely has a, a more vintage feel than, than normal.
0: Yeah. So things that I remember about this movie without giving anything away, it's it's obviously a movie about friendship and a movie about race and race relations. I remember that the, am I, am I correct in saying that the Caucasian girl is from South Africa or are they both from South Africa?
1: I think they're both.
2: From I think Africa. they're both from South Africa.
0: Okay. But I definitely remember that the she was from is, South Africa.
2: Yeah. She is, the Caucasian girl is definitely from South Africa.
0: Yes, Yes. she she at least had an accent, yeah. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yes. And, you know, that was my first time ever seeing someone from South Africa, so I was like, okay, interesting. And I remember watching this movie with my parents, and I remember my mom talking to me because when my mom started school, we're from the Deep South, so, like, she started school, and there was definitely, like, schools weren't integrated yet, so she and I had a conversation about what that was for her and and her friends and um, her friends who are white and black. So I remember that conversation, and I remember this movie. I know that there's it, – it's it's one of those movies, if you guys remember, there's also a movie called True Confessions that comes out, and it, it yeah. was one of those movies that Disney – it wasn't like zany and whatever, like, like oh, you lucky dog or whatever. It was definitely one that Disney was hyping up to be a very serious movie. And this is the first one yeah. like that. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I feel like before this, they were able to handle like a lot of adult topics. Mm-hmm. But, yes. but doing them in a way that's like quirky, zany and able, uh, kids are able to grasp like the movie without actually handling like those heavy topics. Whereas this one, I feel like is, like you said, the first one where they they didn't sugarcoat anything.
1: Mm. Yeah. And I think I don't remember what movie I mentioned it in, but in one of our previous episodes, I did talk about how, um, you know, obviously these days, political correctness is a hot topic. A lot of people um, are very polarized on that topic. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of the reason that our generation or millennials um, are more apathetic towards or, or uh, not apathetic uh, sympathetic towards political correctness is because a lot of us grew up with movies like this and i feel like people forget that this was such a big thing like they're like oh why is this generation so soft or you know you know whatever Mm -hmm. way they want to put us down it's like well that's because whoever was in charge of our media they gave us things like the color of friendship. Now up up and away we have a family of African American superheroes from the last episode. Mm-hmm. We had The Brothers Garcia on Nickelodeon, The Proud Family on Disney. Obviously the Cosby show now has a uh, mixed memories attached to it, but we had the Cosby <laughs> show. So like we had a lot of family matters. Yes, family matters. Yeah. Thank you. We had a lot of different types of families on our screens growing up. So it's very weird now to hear so many adults be like, or people older than us, because we're technically adults, which is terrifying, um, <laughs> not understand where this mindset came from. And it's like, because this was this was our learning tool when we were growing up. And this is what we absorbed. Like, we absorbed that everybody's people. That's a good thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. Calm down. <laughs> really, like, like, my
0: grandparents' generation, I think, would would have seen this movie coming on the air and been like, oh my gosh, you know? Whereas, like, I distinctly remember my parents and I sitting down to watch it together.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, we've also mentioned this in the past, specifically probably in Johnny Tsunami, but we're all white or white-presenting people. So, like, we are aware that there's different power dynamics and that we come from a certain level of privilege when it comes to talking about these movies. Um, But these were clearly, for most of us, obviously, Aaron did not have Disney Channel – But um, he had other other things to learn from. We these were our building blocks.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: So I remember this movie being long
0: and I also remember it being there there are scenes that are that are were tough to watch are probably going to be tough to rewatch. Has anyone watched this movie as an adult
1: or has anyone seen it more than once? I've definitely seen it more than once, but probably not in the last decade, and I agree. I remember this movie pretty well. I remember certain main plot points, and I know some of those hot plot points are going to be difficult to rewatch, um, so I very mm. much agree with Dakota, and I, as I said in Johnny Tsunami, I'm looking forward to this movie, but I'm going to be angry through most of it.
2: <laughs> right. And um, I've only seen it once, I think, and it wasn't it wasn't when it came out. It was when they were like re airing it later on. So I was a little bit older than I was in two thousand. And I do remember some like the things that I do remember are like the tough scenes to watch in this
1: film because mm-hmm. they they stand out to you probably.
2: Yeah, exactly. They're just it's very different than you would see on a normal Disney Channel movie, and so maybe that's why I never fully went back to it. Just because when I think of decoms normally. That's not the vibe I get. But yeah, I've only seen it once and it was the the tough scenes that I remember.
1: Okay. And Aaron, you've already made um really good guesses and already jogged our memory about the timeline, but do you have anything mm-hmm. that you're either looking forward to or now that you have more of a background about what this movie is about, any feels towards it?
3: I don't know. I don't know enough about this movie to make a judgment. I feel like there is a... I, not to say walking on eggshells, but there's certain things that are going to challenge me because it is outside of my comfort zone. Racism mm-hmm. isn't a thing that I have to deal with. Mm-hmm. So being forced to do it, I, I'm being forced to see it and see this story play out like I'm I'm concerned, but I'm also mm-hmm. like intrigued.
1: I think that's a, a good place to be in because I mean, it's not a comfortable topic, and it's not going right. to give you the warm and fuzzies, I don't think. Um, <laughs> but it is important for everybody to be kind of exposed to this kind of stuff, even though it's not fun. So yeah, yeah like, like I said, I'm looking forward to it. I will probably be upset. <laughs> <laughs>
2: for good reason.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm hoping that... I hope you enjoy it. And I guess on that note, we're going to take a break and watch the color of friendship Uh, join us in a couple of minutes and we'll be back with our review hey everyone it's andy just popping in here to once again say thank you for joining us on another episode of d plus students as always i want to say thank you to our friend mike rogers the creation and use of our theme song as well as our friend rue for the creation of our artwork Rue is available on Instagram. Their handle is at rootbeer, that's at R-U-E-T-B-E-E-R, and I totally recommend checking them out. This is also your weekly reminder that we do have an email and website in case you'd like to reach out to us for any reason. Our email is d pod at gmail.com. And our website is dplusstudentspod.wixsite. site. That's W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot slash dcom, D-C-O-M. And in exciting news, we also just created an Instagram. You can find us on Instagram at dplusstudents. That's D-P-L-U-S students. All of these things are group run, so you can reach out to any of us via any of those avenues if you'd like. Now, once again, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode, The Color of Friendship. As we've said before, and we'll continue to say in the rest of the episode, this one hits a little bit differently. We cover more serious topics than we have in the past, and as we'll see in the upcoming segment, we talk a lot about personal growth and being better than you were the day before. So if any of us says something that is incorrect or hurts you for any reason, please let us know. As always, we are a podcast and a group of friends that believe Black Lives Matter. We are hoping to continue to see positive change through the movement, and we hope we can keep moving things in the right direction for everybody. With that in mind, I do want to let you get back to the rest of the episode, and I hope you enjoy the upcoming song, which is Sing a Song by Earth, Wind, and Fire.
0: Welcome back from the break. We all took some time and we went and watched uh, The Color of Friendship and we're back here to talk about it. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say that I think that given the political climate and everything that's happening in the world right now, this is probably going to be, and I think we talked about this before, a little bit more of a somber, um, kind of a different tone than normally the uh, jovial conversations that we have. But I think it's an important conversation, um, and I'm sure that there are also going to be lots of laughs along the way. After all, I'm going to have lots of things to say about the uh, the clothes <laughs> and things that are worn in this, in this episode. So, um, without further
1: ado, Andy, do you want to kind of give us a synopsis? Sure, I'm going to do my best. So, you pardon me if I don't go into as much detail as usual. I feel like this was less plot-oriented and more... Personal oriented. Oh yeah, there was basically no
0: plot, so.
1: Right, so like normally I'm like step by step by step to see like how one dominoes falls into the other, but this is more about literally a forming friendship. So if it doesn't sound as exact, that's why, but I'm going to do my best. So right off the bat, we see two families, uh, a white family in South Africa and a black family in, I believe, Washington, D.C., Uh, America, and it does, as we said in the intro, it does take place in 1977. So what's going on is we see the daughter of the American family, Piper, who is trying to coerce her parents, or mostly her father, who is a U.S. congressman from California, to allow her to host an exchange student, specifically one from Africa, um, I don't it doesn't say whether or not they get to choose where their uh, exchange student is from or if it's just one of the options. But she is, like I said, they're black. they are uh, assumed to be of African descent. and she wants to have an African student stay with her so she can learn more about her culture. She, I believe is 13. And she's trying to convince her parents to allow this to happen. It would involve hosting a student for four months and they'd become part of the family. So she's trying to like integrate more African culture. I think when her father comes home from a busy day, she has like Senegalian drums or drums from Senegal. I don't know how to say that. Playing in the background. And, you know, dad's like, what's all this noise? Turn it off. We don't need any of that. And she's in um, traditional dress. And she's really trying to hammer home how important having this culture would be important to her life and at the end the dad ends up caving and then you switch back and forth to see a white family in South Africa and they are well off you see a 14 year old girl named Mari and her father is a policeman and again this is South Africa in 1977 which is right in the midst of apartheid which is you know a a segregation and a criminalization of black people and their rights her father is a policeman, so that's a very political force. Uh, we see them going out to nice dinners. You see that their lives are what we would consider upper class or upper middle class. They have help in the form of a black housemaid whose name is Flora. And Mari is very close to Flora, but you can still see that there is a uh, cultural and ethnic divide between them. You do travel with her and her family to different like country clubs and things like that, and you do see that... All of the guests are white and all of the help is black. And um, you do oversee a confrontation in which a server spills something on a guest and the guest actually uh, assaults him. He, you know, hits him and knocks him down, yells a slur, and that is totally normal in this setting. And you can see that Mari takes note of it. She doesn't necessarily love it, but no one says anything. This is how their culture is, the way that she is aware of it. She is doing the similar thing where she is trying to convince her parents to allow her to become an exchange student because she really wants to explore America. And it's the same thing where the dad's not sure about it, but the moms think it'd be a good experience for her. And at the end of a lot of coursing, she does. they do allow her to sign up. And then you see them having signed up for both being an exchange student and accepting an exchange student and how they're dealing with it. So Piper and her family are are trying to learn more about Africa and apartheid and bring more culture in. They You do see they have both uh, black and white friends, and they do ask one of their black friends about South Africa. And I think it's interesting that right off the bat he goes, I know nothing about South Africa. I'm from Nigeria. And they go into the different cultures that are in the African continent.
0: Because he then absolutely does just start talking about South Africa (laughs) right after he says, I don't know anything about it. (laughs) Also, side note, one of the friends is J.T. York from Degrassi, if anybody recognized him. I did not watch Degrassi,
1: but fun fact. fact. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then once again, you see Mari back in South Africa planning her trip. Um, She's talking with Flora, again, her housemaid, about going and she says that she's really excited she's going to be staying with a congressman and his name is Dellum that's Piper's family name and Flora actually recognizes the name but doesn't say anything she goes have you seen photos of this family and have you sent photos and Mari says no why would I do that that wasn't required and Flora just kind of like nods and along and says like I hope you learn a lot when you're in America um, and kind of leaves it at that. So again, right off the bat, the audience knows that there will be racial tension and Flora is aware of who the Dellums are, but clearly the two girls are going in blind. So cut forward, Mari arrives in America. Piper and her mother are there at the airport. They're looking for Mari, but they're expecting a black South African student. So they completely miss each other. And at one point, uh, they go to, you know, someone at the announcer station and says, we're looking for this student. Mari comes up and assumes that the family, you know, Piper and her mother, are people that are sent to pick her up by the family, does not even once consider that they are the family she's meeting. She greets them, gives them her bag description and says, I'll show you what they look like and you can get them for me, essentially. Piper is very upset. Mom kind of takes it in stride. She says... This is what we get for making assumptions. We assumed that a South African student meant a black student, and that is incorrect. They go off to meet the congressman, who again is congressman of California, and we find that he is actively working to oppose apartheid in South Africa, which was probably why Flora is aware of his existence. They walk into a congressman meeting, and there's, you know, a good amount of black people there as well as a couple of white people. And when she is introduced to Mr. Dellums or Congressman Dellums as the host father and as the congressman she's staying in, Mari actually laughs and thinks that it's a joke because in her mind there's no way that a black man is a congressman in the government. Um, It is extremely awkward for everybody in the room. And then they basically leave without saying a word. They go back to Piper's house to get her settled and Mari immediately locks herself in Piper's room, doesn't talk to anybody, doesn't eat, and with the time difference, she can't call her parents, and it's 1977, so she doesn't have a cell phone, so she just locks herself in her room, or in Piper's room, and it is extremely awkward where they try to figure out, does she want to stay? Can we send her back? What makes the most sense in this situation? Eventually, I think it's at least a day or so, her mother, uh, Piper's mother, brings takeout for Mari, and Piper, again this being her bedroom, is able, able to pick her own lock to open the door and say, mom brought you food, this is my room, if you want to stay, there's the guest room, otherwise we're sending you back. And after overhearing Piper and her mother talk about what is expected of Mari, and whether or not Mari should stay. And after Mari having a discussion with her dad, in which she doesn't say that the family is black and doesn't say that she's having a bad time, her dad, you know, makes a quip about her being homesick already and ready to call it quits and not not leaving the continent anytime soon. So not wanting to seem like a quitter and not wanting that hanging over her head, she lies, says she's having a great time, and that she's going to stay. So she moves into the guest room and... It kind of, time kind of fluctuates. It doesn't give us a real time frame, but after um, a couple of days, it seems, Mari uh, gets used to being at least with the family, if not hanging out with the family. She spends dinner with them. She still treats the family a little bit like help in that she requests things be made for breakfast and requests, uh, you know, just certain tasks be done for her. And her mom kind of takes it in stride and says, i will not treat you differently than any of my own children that means you eat what we eat when we eat and you know i i'm not here to put out these special things for you but i do want you to feel welcome um and given that kind of push mari kind of figures out where she stands with the family and once again time kind of fluctuates they end up going to the mall together uh for back to school shopping. And from that moment on, Piper and Mari seem to be best of friends. They do everything together. There's a whole shopping montage that I'm sure Dakota will go into great detail with. It's great. And it just kind of goes along with more differences differences in society. Mari has never seen blacks and whites living and shopping together. Um, she doesn't understand that everybody's allowed in the same store. And her mom kind of explains it in a capitalist way of being like, stores exist to make money doesn't matter what color you are you've got money they want your money um and that's kind of how they negate the race aspect again piper and mari become best of friends they do everything together you see them doing like dancing montages shopping montages bike riding lots of activities them really like getting close but every once in a while mari lets the word bantu slip which Piper does ask about, and Bantu is Afrikaans for black, according to the movie. I did not look this up. But she does go into the other words that people refer to black people. They do say both the N-word, and I'm going to call it the K-word, which is the Afrikaans N-word, multiple times in the movie. And they do couch it in a way that even though people say it and it's normalized for Mari to hear it, she says that she would never use these words which is why I'm not going to say it, even though it's in a different language. And they say it multiple times. They've made it very clear that this is a racial slur. So I'm going to refer to it as the K-word. And she's kind of teaching Piper the different words that people use, both for black people as well as just different different Afrikaans words to kind of sh- share her culture. She expresses surprise that she's going to a quote-unquote Bantu school. The school is actually mixed. It's been segregated already in, in America in 77. But Mari's never been to a school like that. All of her schools are only for white students. So um, you see her going through the aspect of un- being uncomfortable, even though that she's comfortable with the Dellum family. She's now thrust into a larger social circle where she has to interact with people of different races. Unfortunately, you don't see much of that growth in the movie, but she does get into an altercation with what looks like a stereotypical jock who happens to be black. And she is very flabbergasted, but Piper sticks up for her and, you know, basically puts the stupid jock in his place, and it doesn't have any bearing on race altercation-wise. But that's really all we see of their school life. There is a African uh, protester named uh, Stephen Biko, who comes up a couple of times as someone that the African government is trying to locate and, you know, silence, that at one point comes to a head where... Back in South Africa, you do hear her uh, Mari's father talking about him as a political agitator and a terrorist because that is how they, you know, excuse apartheid. And then in America, and in the Dellums household specifically, where they are fighting against apartheid, you hear him talking as a civil rights leader, essentially, in, in Africa and how he needs to be freed and how he needs to be kept safe. At one point, Piper, Mari, and her mother come home to kind of a delegation of people from South Africa that say that Mari is no longer safe in America and in the Delam's household, and she is giving no choice to either the, the host family or Mari, and that she needs to leave and is being basically deported or shipped back to South Africa. And they keep saying it's for her own safety, and no one has a say in this. As Mari gets driven away, you see a lot of riots in front of the Congress buildings, and it is exposed that Stephen Biko has been killed by police. But the uh, the South African government officials or whoever they are that that take Mar away say that he was, you know, a, a racist agitator and a terrorist and he killed himself and people are angry about it and they're making up stories. So that is the side that she hears, whereas you switch back and forth between Dellum and and his his cabinet, essentially, talking about how the UN is getting involved, how it's been confirmed that he was murdered and it wasn't a suicide, and a lot of stuff that we hear that's going on in today's political uh, fields as well. Mari doesn't want to go home, but doesn't have any power to do anything. She's able to get in touch with the Dellums and tell the family what's going on, and Piper is able to get in touch with her father, who then pulls strings by saying it would be a bad PR move to have a South African student removed from a black household and that the best move for everybody would be to allow Mari to stay. It becomes a really great thing. Everybody's reunited, but someone, um, one of Piper's other friends, kind of mentions that, you know, this friendship isn't reciprocal. You say you're great friends, but Mari's not invited you to stay with her. She's staying with you for months, and she's never mentioned you coming to visit her home. So when Mari's finally reunited, that causes an argument where Piper says, hey, can I stay with you when you go back? And Mari kind of dodges the question. And when Stephen Biko comes up, you see, again, Mari's lack of education on the matter and that she says that it's a terrorist killed himself. I don't know what the big deal is. And um, again, that starts an argument. And the dad, uh, Mr. Dellum, comes in and kind of settles it. And he speaks to Mari and says... You know, I don't think you're a bad person, but I think you've been taught bad things. And I think you and Piper um, are the best case of working it out. And Mari kind of breaks down and says, like, it's not fair that she's my friend and there's nothing I can do that will allow her to be welcome in my home or in my town or in her country, essentially. And Mr. Delm just kind of says, you know, the big Disney Channel movement uh, moment reveal of saying, you know, you can't necessarily change the government today, but maybe it starts with a friendship. And again, we kind of fast forward. I have no idea what the time system is like, but we know that Mari's there for (laughs) four-ish months. And it cuts to, I guess, right before she leaves, there's an African festival in D.C. celebrating uh, all of the different ethnicities and walks of life and specifically African culture. And Mari is a part of it. And she gets to see it like blown up and beautiful and as something to celebrate as opposed to something to hide or fear she does see the african i don't know what the flag was called but it was a a political movement flag that she specifically mentions is banned in her country but she takes one and flies it proudly and enjoys the the celebration and then um you see her saying bye to piper at the airport and she flies home and when she goes home she immediately talks to flora who she hugs and shows that she has sewn the band flag to the inside of her clothing to show that she understands the movement that she's learned stuff from her american host family and i guess that she understands flora and her plight a little bit better and that is the end of the movie it was still a lot of words
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would like to um, to note that at the end of the movie, there are some some pieces of information that pop up across the screen. Yes, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Basically saying, and I don't remember if this is at the beginning of the end, but this was definitely based on a true story. Yes. Um, Piper Dellums is a real person. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm.
1: Dellums family is a, is a real family. Yes, it does say, you're right, it doesn't say at the beginning of the movie that it's based off a real story, but at the end... They do give you like a mini epilogue that say when apartheid end, which ended, which I believe was nineteen ninety four, and it does say that Delums and his family was there in in South Africa to help end apartheid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so apparently um, Piper Delums
0: absolutely hosted someone and was very excited to have this girl come over, and she she was excited for. Um, and apparently, the that summer, the the girl's name is Carrie. Yes. Um, the yeah. real life Mari, and she was super excited to have this fellow black kid from South Africa come and stay at her house. And it was it was quite a shock, I think, for her. I, I mean, it's very indicative of the movie. They obviously Disney obviously had Piper Delums um, on board, probably you know, consulting or something like that. And and she wrote a, a short story as mm-hmm. well. And that's what the what the whole movie is kind of based around. Yes.
1: So before we go into more um, real life, either applications in today's world or what it's based off of, did anybody have any feels about this movie? Things they remembered, things they thought were important or anything I missed? So I, regardless of, of what I remembered or anything like that I did just
0: want to go into a couple of details because the girls were really familiar for me and I couldn't figure out where I could place them from um the girl that plays Mari is actually she was a movie surfer which was uh, a Disney I'm realizing that Aaron doesn't know what this is um, <laughs> uh, okay so um the movie surfers were these teens mm-hmm. um pre Um, But I, I mean, I wanted to be a movie surfer so bad and I was always like, how do I, how do I pick these kids to be movie (laughs) surfers? But anyway, it was basically, um, Erin, during the commercial breaks, they would, they would be doing things like during Xenon, they might've been like, here's how you can make your very own disc earring or something like that. And it would be like a, like, you know, five minute crafts almost on YouTube. But of course there was no YouTube and it would just take like you know 30 seconds 60 seconds to kind of really quickly show you how to do something that was related to the movie or maybe for Johnny Tsunami they might have like been teaching you some Hawaiian phrases or things to say but it was just little clips like that of culture or something that that was related to the movie and then they were like tv personalities and they would introduce the movie and anyway and they would always be on these like blow up couch (laughs) things like and it would look like they were watching the movie as well and I, I just remember being very jealous and wanting very much to to be a movie surfer Um, so she was a movie surfer
3: i am somewhat familiar with the concept okay
0: (laughs) she was also in true blood if anybody watched true blood she played hadley which she was the cousin of the main character anyway so she plays that (laughs) character and and i was like oh okay that that checks out
3: i actually remember her from the movie uh shrooms which is just an absolutely awful horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't remember that at all.
0: Anyway, so apparently she has has gone on um she was also in the it's 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 a play on Romeo and Juliet and I can't remember what the movie was called, but it was actually about an interracial couple as well. Oh. So Okay. Um, That's where I know her from. And then the girl who plays Piper was in um, Life with Derek. And she was also, she was in something
1: else. Well, she was in another um, sitcom, but I didn't want to say the name because she, it's a sequel and she replaced somebody. Uh, Okay, okay, But that's, I did not know she was in Life with Derek. I remember, I didn't like watch that show religiously. I think we were already a little bit old for that show, but I did see some of it. I don't remember her from that though. I just remember the theme
0: song. Um, n- n- never mind that I also heard the theme song on TikTok the other day. Oh, my God. Somehow I have, you like one Disney thing, and then all of a sudden <laughs> you're like down a rabbit hole. Okay. Right. But no, she was in Strange Days at Blake Holsey High. And I, I am, does anyone remember that nope. show? not at all. Oh my gosh, it was so good, you guys. <laughs> I digress. Strange Days at like Halsey High, starring the girl who plays Piper, and and it was great. And now she's actually a teacher. Oh, okay. so oh, cool. cool. Mm-hmm. Also, just wanted to note, um, I didn't look up if this is the only DCOM
1: that has won an Emmy, but this this one won an Emmy. Yes.
2: Yeah, I saw that.
1: So I also didn't look up if there were others, you know, that that got that title but it won an Emmy for Outstanding Children's Program in 2000, and it also won the NAACP Image Award in 2001. hmm Ooh.
0: Yep. So anyway, that's just a little bit of background on The Color of Friendship and a couple of the, the actors in it. As soon as the movie started... I was like, oh yeah, now I remember. She's in America, and yeah. Because I think I had gotten kind of confused earlier, and I couldn't remember who was going to see who. Yeah,
1: in the beginning, we both thought they were in South Africa, and st- yeah, I did the same thing as soon- when I was uh, listening back. I was like, that's not right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's okay. Yeah,
1: um, that's why we go away and watch the exactly. movie and come back.
0: You know, it's 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 part of the shtick. So. Um, <laughs> So I, I, as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, yeah. And then immediately I was like, oh, my gosh, there's something about a bird that's in a cage. Yes. And then, of course, that ends up being a very big, yeah, not a very big plot point, but it starts the movie and it ends the yeah, movie. Yeah, I didn't talk mm. about
1: it, but it was symbolic. Flora is talking about something called, I believe, a weaver bird and she talks about how they live with a bunch of other birds of all different colors, and Flora always wished that humanity could be like that. And obviously, Mm -hmm. someone in today's age that has grown up with the knowledge of racism, you know what that is about, but Mari in the movie just immediately doesn't understand what that means of all birds of all colors living together. She just goes, I think she says, well, of course you can't live like that. We're people, not birds. Like She doesn't understand that it's... An eloquent way of talking about racism. Right. And then the story of the weaver bird is passed down from Florida Mari to Mari to Congressman Dellums, who shares a story at the African celebration. And then the end of the movie is Mari returning home and setting the weaver bird free.
0: Yeah. Like, almost like she's running in. Like, let me flash this, uh this flag at you so that you know I'm on your side. Right. And let me run in this house and set this for free. So.
1: It was very um Jasmine in Aladdin as well. Mm-hmm.
0: For some reason I felt like I I, I seemed to remember where the family got to go to South Africa and the, I I remembered like them seeing each other again, but then that didn't happen and I was like, okay, I definitely made that up. <laughs> yeah. Although it does one of the one of the scenes, one of the fl- the slides at the end does say That Congressman Dellums and his whole family was there at the end of apartheid Mm -hmm. in South Africa. So I was like, maybe maybe I just imagined that they were there hugging. Um, Your your brain created the scenes you wanted to see. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. I definitely forgot that the N-word was in it. I forgot that that was something that that they were saying. Mm -hmm. And I heard it and my ear cringed and I didn't Mm -hmm. like it. Yeah. And it actually made me remember... um, like, I, I can tell you the first time that I was ever out because my parents didn't say that word. Um, and so I, and I'm sure, I'm sure that like other older family members said it at one time or another. I don't inherently remember it, but I do remember being at a friend's house and watching the, it was the first season of American Idol when Kelly Clarkson is on it. And it, I don't think that it was the finale, but it was like getting close. And I remember, like I was standing in the kitchen or something and he was in the living room and he was watching it and it was my friend's dad. And he says the N word referring to one of the participants in the show. Ooh, nice. And I went home and told my mom and my mom was like, I don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, my, my mom was, was, was like, we don't say that word. This is why you don't say that word. And then she was very much, I always had a bad taste in my mouth about my friend's dad after that. And it was, it was one of
1: those things where I just kind of cringed. Yeah kind of being, being around him, you know? Like once you know that somebody has that mindset or that, uh, the lack of mindset, I guess you could say, it's, it's hard to see them in another light. Yeah. I mean,
0: especially being that young and like, I was over at this friend's house, like frequently and I heard it and I was like, Ooh, I don't, that's not, I, I mean, I didn't know everything that it meant, but I knew that it was derogatory and I knew that
1: I didn't say it. Right. Exactly. Like also, I think the fact that you were young and based on, assuming, on your mom's reaction of being like, ooh, I already knew this was bad, but this is this is super not good, um, probably had yeah. a big impact on you. Definitely. Um,
0: but those were kind of the things that I remembered as it was playing out. I obviously remembered the the shopping scene, which is a classic, mm-hmm. um, and we'll get into it a little bit later. Um, but other than that, it felt I, felt... I was a little disappointed at the lack of plot, but obviously that's not what is centered around the story Mm. of coming together and not so much anything physically happening right like they
1: didn't get together and personally end apartheid you know like (laughs) it wasn't that kind of story um but it was it was a good discourse on the political views at the time um that were able for like you know young kids like us like we were around 10 at that point to digest and understand
2: right
0: I will say that when they make the comment, when the... First of all, I hate those people that come to get her. They're the worst. Yes. Yes. But when they say something, or whoever it was that says something about... I think it's the assistant says, like, you'll understand when you're older. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt that because I've been there, you know? And and then them saying, you know, that he, that he killed himself and telling her that whole side of the story. And I was like, oh. Because it just doesn't seem that different than what's happening now. Yeah. And totally. it's it's 30 years, you know? Mm-hmm. It's been 30 years. Yeah.
1: No. 20 years. Well, 20 years since this movie. It's been about yeah. twenty 50 years, since the movie. years since the plot of but the movie. 50 years. Yes, 50 and years. Apartheid was already in full swing. Like, it, like this movie takes place in 77. I believe Apartheid officially ended in 94, but it had been going on for a long time before that.
3: Uh, 1948, yeah. I believe.
1: Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. It was just,
0: it was just bad. And, and, and seeing her dad as a policeman, I didn't, I don't like that he's a policeman because I very much want for police to be good and to stand up for the people. And of course he was standing up for the people, right? Like he, he was standing up for the white people. Yeah, and, as
1: as it is couched by the South African government, yeah. he was for the Right, people.
0: sure. Sure, absolutely. And then that's the... You know, we've talked about this before that I feel like we also have to look at things through the lens of the time and place that it was done. And and he's looking at this at the time and place, but he's definitely not on the right side of history. Also, he was just a huge jerk because <laughs> he was mean to Marnie about like, oh, do you want to go home already? And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah,
1: I will say one of the things they did well, still not a likable character in general, especially not with the foresight of knowing the history behind it. But they mm-hmm. didn't specifically demonize anybody that Marnie knew or Marnie's family. Like, in the terms of the cultural setting, you know that, like you said, they're on the wrong side of history. They're the bad guys when you look at it. But it's never like they say the N or the K word all the time. They don't, you don't see them accosting anybody. You just know that their dad is in, in, in law enforcement in a system that demonizes black people. So, I liked right. that they didn't go out of their way to be like, these people are inherently bad. It's just this is the system that they're in, and we know now that that's not okay.
0: Right. And I think I think that's the big point is that like I don't I personally don't want to be on the wrong side of history, um, and I am able to see some things now. and that's that's growth, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and, and, and the things that you're- expo- and that's the whole kind of point of the movie. like the things that Marnie's exposed to, I don't think she's, and, and Congressman Dellums even says this. She's not bad. He mm-hmm. said, "I don't think that you're bad." Mar- I think that's what yeah. he says, but I th- or I don't think you're racist, but I think that you've been around bad people, mm-hmm. right? Right. And a lot of that, a lot of that, if not all of that, was was coming directly from the government. Yeah. You know, the these people didn't inherently decide, "Hey, we're going to be really mean to all these people." Like this is. This was systematic. Yeah.
2: Right. It's like she's a product of her environment and where she grew up. So it's not her fault that she's this way. It's just that's how she was raised and how the government told her, like, what the government told her is correct.
1: Yeah. And like you said, Dakota, it's about growth. Like, Mari comes out of it knowing more, understanding more, being a, quote, unquote, better person in the terms that we would understand. Um, She came from this, this bad system. And while... No, she may not be able to single-handedly overthrow the government and fix it. She comes out of it more informed and understanding of her influence in other people's lives.
0: Um, Something we didn't talk about that I do think is worth mentioning, we talked about the mom a little bit, and I I think that we would be remiss not to talk about how she was really kind of the voice of reason, um, because as, as much as... Mari had her own preconceived notions so did the Dellums family um and I think that she did a very good job of bringing those to light and and playing she was a mom right you know like she she was doing the best mom life of you know let's think about this from every side and what is this person seeing and what is this person experiencing and how can we educate in the best way and not fly off the handle and Mm. And um, I, I loved that character. So, like, that character, 10 out of 10. Oh, for sure. Um, I agree.
1: Bouncing off the mom, that does also... I liked the foibles that they showed in The Dad and Congressman Ronald Dellum. Because, like you said, the family themselves had their own preconceived notions. And while I agree that you can't be racist against white people, um, you could see that his uh, anger was definitely reactionary. He was not mm-hmm. comfortable with the idea of having having Mari in his house. And both the friendship formed through Piper as well as the mediation through the mother definitely kind of mellowed that out. But I think that's good that there was growth on bro- both sides. One was broadly written as incorrect, and history stands with that. But even though you can't be racist, you can't be prejudiced from all sides. And he kind of had to learn his own prejudices and come to terms that She's a child, and she was learning, um, which Mm. was a big thing of what the mom did. And I was going to say it early, but I forgot. One of the things that I think that was a great uh, connection that they made was, again, in the movie, Mari's dad as a police officer. And Mr. Dellums specifically says, that's like being Jewish and offering the Gestapo a place in your household. He was like, this is a direct Mm. line to the people that oppressed the people I'm fighting for and I'm having it in my house. And while, again, Mari is not a Nazi, he has to learn that her learning can be redone and that they can build towards something better together. It's not enemies on all sides. Definitely some prejudice there. I like that word. So,
0: yeah.
3: Sort of piggybacking off of that, there's a scene where she's Mari is up late reading a book, and he comes down and says something He's talking to her, and finally at the end, he says, uh, now it's late and you should get to bed because school starts tomorrow. And uh, talking about how school for someone new going into the school, it's not going to be easy or fun. And it's like, and they're not going to appreciate it if you fall asleep in class. Uh, I should know I did it a few times. And there's like this little smirk moment. And I had to pause the movie because I was thinking about it. I was like, he went... school in a like this he would have gone to school uh in segregation it was before the schools were integrated so all of the hurdles that he had to gain the education he has to become a congressman like he understands like i don't know there's a moment there where he's this is not going to be easy for you to this next journey you have to take with going to the school is not going to be fun or easy
1: I like that. Yeah, it's a really cute moment between the two characters, and that's a really great point. I hadn't even thought of that. I know Dakota had mentioned in the in the beginning how like her mom had stories of coming up right after desegregation, right? Like that's I think that's what you said your, your microphone had died at that point, but yeah, but yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. Like historically, yeah, it, Ronald Delms would have gone to school during segregation, and that is a huge hurdle to overcome. And that's that's a great point, Aaron. Thank you.
0: Yeah, right. Like so my mom was born in what, 64? So that means in 77 she would have been is that is that 13?
1: Yeah. To 64 to 70. Yeah, okay. So first like was my mom desegregated in 54, I believe.
3: Right.
0: Right. Through what, 63? Is that right? I can't remember. Later than that? Earlier than that? I can't remember. Anyway, so like my mom would have been 13 in 77 when this movie was set. So literally the age of these children. Um so Yeah, I mean, I think that this was... And I I think that's a reason why I really liked this movie and hearing my mom's kind of perspective on it. Because there's this common theme that people do to say, like, oh, racism and... Well, first of all, slavery was a really long time ago and then, like, racism was a really long time ago. But, like, this was just our grandparents' generation, you know? that's crazy. So, I mean, I'm not saying... Like, I wish that we were a lot further ahead than we are. I'm not saying that, oh, you know, it's going to take... Fifty or seventy more years, but what I'm saying is, is that like in in the scheme of uh, there's a there's a part of um, the American adventure at Disney World that says you know that America is basically just an infant um, in comparison to a lot of other countries in the in the world, um, which is just so true. And um, you know, I think that that's something to always be cognizant of as we kind of march through. I dig it. That was nice.
1: Hmm. Huh.
0: So Aaron, Chris, any, any other observations? Because we've been, uh, uh, Andy and I have been dominating this conversation.
1: (laughs) Who's surprised,
0: really? But anyway. Yeah,
1: and I am curious about your, uh, your feelings, Aaron, because I know, uh, you, you are the only one that had not seen this before. And like you said, um, it's not necessarily a comfortable topic, but it's an important one. So I I was curious how, how you felt about seeing this for the first time.
3: Um... I don't know. This is, again, it's very uncomfortable. It Background for me is that I am not a police officer, but I do work in the field of law enforcement. So these questions that it brings up that maybe he's not a bad guy. He certainly has his faults. The father certainly has his faults but that he has just learned some very bad things is something that I see and deal with and want to change and am trying to change and fight to change a lot. Um, so I don't... I don't know. I don't feel like there's anything that I can particularly say. I can read off a of what I know about apartheid or anything like that, but it doesn't connect to... This connects to me differently because I see that this movie takes place, um, like you said, 50 years ago. And the thing this movie does that I don't particularly care for is it talks about like America is this oasis where we're all equal and we desegregated a long time ago. But we didn't really, and it's something Mm. that we're still fighting for. Um, Excellent point. The end of the movie, they talk about uh, the national elections being held in 1984. That is the first time since apartheid that Africans were allowed to vote, and they actually elected a few African-American leaders to their national congress. Um, But even that, it was still another eight to ten years after that election that apartheid actually ended and there were steps being made along the way so i think that my big takeaway is this is that things might be really negative right now but by you know protesting and and putting this information in front of people it's something that we are trying to work towards it's just not an easy fix
1: yeah again Mm -hmm. as much as we want to it's not something that can change overnight um, right. And every every little you know small stepping stone will will build up, and we hope it does uh, before harm is done. But uh, we're we're doing our best at the moment.
2: Yeah, and I feel like this movie does like a really good job of giving getting across that message of like you can be part of the change. You don't have to be the one that's doing it by yourself, but you can definitely aid in that and lead to what is wrong in the world becoming better um, and not being an issue anymore?
0: Yes.
3: I totally agree. I just feel like
0: anything excellent. that I could
3: say is really not disingenuine, but it just doesn't... I don't know. It. This is an excellent movie, and I think that um, the ideas, the utopia that they want for America is something that we all deeply want, but it's... It, I don't know. Again, I want to say it's taken time because we should have had that time already. It's just not as perfect as they want it to be.
0: Yeah, I um I definitely understand where you're coming from, Aaron, because until really recently, um, especially in the past couple of years, but even even really up until this year, I was definitely an "all lives matter" person because, of course, all lives matter because I want everyone to you know, have all the chances in life and and have uh, you know this is America, and then this is the the land of the free and um of of course, like it's it's such a narrow minded viewpoint because I'm so privileged, you know, being in a, a I mean sure, we were poor, but also we were white, and so that helps a lot and then you know then we weren't quite as poor anymore and like I was able to go to I mean sure I'm a first generation college student but still I got to go to college right and so then there's there's uh, there are things that I just need to be aware of that like I got some breaks that not everybody gets um and I I keep saying and this is something that Chris and Aaron have both said now that like I so want for all lives to matter and all lives absolutely matter, but all lives won't matter until, until black lives matter. So, and, and, and more than that, Native American lives and, and any, any other, you know, Asian American lives, like that's, that's all in- inclusive um, there as well.
1: Yeah. Um, I really like, uh, again, obviously giving the, the political and racial uh, tension climate that we've got going on right now, there's, there's an abundance of, of things that are being shared and information and stuff like that. And I apologize to you guys specifically because you know me, so you see all of my spam. <laughs> um, but uh, Andy is very politically charged <laughs> yes. all of the time. Mm-hmm. All of the time. I really try to rein it in, and sometimes it does not happen. Um, <laughs> but I love all of the things because, like, I... You know, I I'm very outspoken, and uh, again, I have been previously, like specifically in the Johnny Tsunami podcast, I got very passionate. But I I I do like, and it helps me even to see the reminders of that. You can be an All Lives Matter person, but tomorrow might be your first day saying Black Lives Matter, and that's all that matters. Mm. Again, like it's it's the growth. You're not going to come out of this perfect. Again, like you said, I like you said, and I'm admitting openly, I'm very spammy i share a lot of stuff i'm very loud about my views but i know that i'm still not perfect as we've discussed i pass i have a lot of privilege that comes with passing and i think that it's something that has affected me because i'm able to see both views but i'm aware of how privileged i am in in certain cases and it like i hate to have like a little uh you know stupid white guilt moment here but like that's it bothers me to such an extent which is why i'm i'm so loud and obnoxious but i know i'm not perfect and i know that no one's perfect and you can't just come out of this the perfect ally you're gonna have growth you're gonna mess up but as long as you learn from it and keep going forward to help all those around you that's that's all we can ask
0: definitely and i think it also you know unfortunately unfortunately or fortunately um, unfortunately it takes sometimes you experiencing discrimination or things yourself or bullying, even at the most basic form, Um, or it might take you knowing someone. And like, I so wish it didn't. Right. You know, but, but Mm -hmm. also that's, that's how we're, we're humans and we get to know each other. And, and, you know, it, 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 I feel responsible saying this and I'm hoping that this will, will, help other people or, or I can share with other people like not that I wasn't an ally and not that I didn't I, right this is the thing my beliefs haven't changed right like who I am as a person and what I want for the world and and what I care about that hasn't changed at all the sad thing is is that now I have to change I have to say Black Lives Matter now because we have to make that a point and that's the part that I think is just the most infuriating thing um and, you know, it wasn't until my best friend, who is African-American, and we very frequently say that we're exactly the same person except for the color of our skin. Like, I, we don't have very many differences, um, and we think about things the same way. We have the same heart, and we're both super sensitive, <laughs> and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, however, she gets afraid that if her boyfriend – pops off because he has a bit of a loud mouth he's going to get shot right on like on like a drive home and yeah, totally. I have have never been worried about Aaron being shot so um, it's, it's, it's that it's, we're, we're to that level you yeah. know
2: yeah I mean I live in New York I live in Brooklyn um, I am s- most of the people that I surround myself with are people of color or of the LGBTQIA um, community So, it's like, I've seen a lot of the discrimination that can go on against them, and being a person, a white person, um, I don't really get that as much. I don't get that at all, basically. So, um, when, like, my roommate, who is black, is coming home, and he calls me because there's a car that's following him home, and he's scared, um, and then I have to go meet him. It's kind of like, things like that, that kind of make you see what's going on in the world, and kind of like know and like understand everything and like i'll never understand it but yeah it's just crazy
0: yeah you know i've had that happen to me as a woman Mm -hmm. um i've uh, like i was in my apartment complex parking lot and this guy like stuck his hand out and tried to stop my car one time i was driving an f-150 at the time still start to still tried to stop my truck Um, And my roommate had to come downstairs with her dog and, like, walk me upstairs. And it's just, it's just rant, like, it's just stuff like that. But, but again, you know, even me having to deal with that and and a variety of other things that have, that have occurred due to me being a woman. However, I still have not had the worst of it. And and that's because the color of my skin. And not that that's right or wrong, because like we're not we're not going to stop all of a sudden if we even do hit this threshold it's not going to stop right because then we're going to continue there's that's why we have so many different things that we're fighting for whether it's you know uh women's rights and lgbtqia rights and and just a whole multitude of other things as well
1: yeah we do, we just gotta keep keep fighting for it right now. Uh, you know, fighting. Black Lives—they're the another meme speak. They're the broken bone at the moment. They're the ones we got to pay attention to. It doesn't mean anybody else is worth any less. It's not pie just because you give them a little extra doesn't mean you have less. <laughs> um, it's just <laughs> it's it's how it's got to be. Um, we got to fight for everybody, and right now they're the ones that are being attacked the most and the most prolific. So that that's where we got to focus our attention so that we can continually move up. And, and help all of the groups get to a, a higher standing or a, a more equal footing. Mm-hmm. So this has been about a twelve-minute
0: little ranty. <laughs> <so that's> fine, <laughs> but it's on topic. It's important. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's applicable it's applicable but um if we're kind of done with that i'm
1: thinking maybe we can kind of touch back on the movie yes yeah do we want to go into some real life facts again i don't have a ton or do we want to go into fun fashion and then and then break because i don't know if we've been too serious <laughs> okay let's talk about
0: fashion and then we can talk about <laughs> real life. okay okay um guys <laughs>
1: i love this fashion yes it's so good <laughs>
2: I mean, 70s fashion in general is great.
1: Especially like, I don't know what was, I mean, maybe you know, but I don't know what was true 70s, but this was definitely 90s does 70s. Yeah. Okay, so
0: when I was in college, this was definitely going to be my, and I'm like, this was even one of the things that I, this movie was one of the, points that I made when I was telling my professor that this was the topic that I would want to go into when I was thinking about going to graduate school. However, who has the money for graduate school? Because I wasn't going to pay for it and I didn't want to take out student loans. And my parents were very loving and were like, if you want to go, like we will help you. However, telling your parents that you want to study the um the what I wanted to study was why, first of all, why do people wear what they wear Um, And and that has a lot to do with specifically like African-American and something very much what Piper did, right? So African-Americans dressing up in clothing that is indicative of a different culture. And I'm not even sure if the garments that she was wearing are indicative of her heritage. However, they were specifically of the continent of Africa, Right, and yes. so like, why why is she choosing to wear those garments, and what does that represent to her, and what does that represent to the outside world? So that was kind of like one facet of it, which kind of bleeds into why do we choose certain items of clothing? No one steal my freaking thesis, okay? But anyway, why <laughs> do we choose? I said, no one steal my thesis idea, okay? If I ever decide to go back to school, like this thesis is mine, okay? But. <laughs> Why do we choose certain garments or certain looks to represent specific periods of history? Specifically, the 1950s, the number one thing that you think about is what? A poodle skirt, right? Um, And then when you're thinking about the 70s, you're going to think of a fro and bell bottoms. Mm -hmm. And when you're thinking about the 80s, it's got to be neon and leg warmers. (laughs) So, like... Specifically, whatever a sorority girl is going to wear to a party that is based upon that theme, like why do we do that? I'll take it anyway that's my thesis. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if you ever go back to school i'm 'd love to read your thesis. <laughs>
0: So to kind of like give you a little bit of background, um, a lot of the, they hit the nail on the head sometimes when it came to silhouettes, um, and they hit the nail on the head sometimes when it came to colors and prints, but it was very rare that they hit the nail on the head together with like <laughs> oh, these right. silhouettes and these colors and prints would have kind of happened at the same time. Yeah. You know, like I didn't see something that I was missing were like a lot of flowers. I didn't see a lot of flower imagery. Mm-hmm. Which, well, at one time, um, Marnie is wearing a flower clip in her hair, which Aaron said he hasn't seen since 1999. (laughs) Um, And I was like, well, that's when this movie was produced, so they probably just ran to Walmart and bought some. (laughs) But I was missing some flowers, um, and I was also missing – they were they did a lot of, like, I feel like more vibrant colors, which certainly there were some of, but we were – I was missing the avocado green. I was missing the mustard and the – and, you know, that sherbet orange. I'm thinking of all mm. of Mr. Brady's
1: um, suits. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, I think – it looks like they picked up a couple of pieces at a vintage store and then I'm definitely thinking that they picked up some McCall's patterns and <laughs> made some of the other other garments out of more 80s looking materials um, specifically to, in my opinion but again it's 77 so you know Aaron and I were just in at a museum of art um, the other day and we were looking at furniture of different time periods and I was definitely mislabeling them and saying oh this has got to be you know it was something that it was a set of chairs and we were like this has to be 70s and we looked and it was 80 81 or 83 and I was like well I mean you know decades (laughs) blend together so (laughs) true you know so that's kind of my point is any time period in there it could have been okay but definitely I don't think that they got all of these from
1: a vintage store yeah No. no Like, I loved them, but they were definitely, like you said, they were costumey pieces. They were kind of, again, 90s does, does 70s. Like, it was what you would expect totally. to go to at a, you know, a 70s party with all of the striped bell bottoms, with some flower crowns, lots of fringe vests. Like, it was very cartoony. Um, not bad, yeah. but, but not probably the actual typical clothing.
0: I will say one of the outfits that Piper wears to school, it's kind of like a chevrony shirt and it's like white and brown. Um that was very Is that the shirt accurate, that's on the poster? I yeah, I think so. It okay. is. It is. That was pretty accurate. Her wearing corduroy bottoms was very mm-hmm. accurate. And the bell bottoms, uh you know, especially the denim bell bottoms I think was pretty accurate, but you know, they also probably would have had the um the shirt tied up and the navel exposed, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a. But of course, they're not going to do that. It's a decomp, so. <laughs> right?
1: And like the boots too. Like I, I don't think that people didn't wear those boots, but probably thirteen and fourteen year old girls didn't wear the boots. Totally right. Piper's hair up in that bun,
0: very. It was good. I liked it. It was kind of like very '90s, slicked to the head. I thought so. I don't want to say. I don't want to say tamed or any or anything like that because that's not what what i mean is i mean particularly gelled down if you will um especially right there in the front i thought that was kind of 90s marnie's hair um not marnie that's definitely from halloween town um close (laughs) Mari's hair uh being very uh stick straight pin straight she she we missed the scene i guess where she had her head um on an ironing board (laughs) and she was ironing her hair but that that is what would have happened to them anyway I dig it. So yeah, that's what um that's what I have to say about the fashion report. Um the mom looked particularly amazing in all of the outfits is also what I want to say.
1: Yes, she seemed more true seventies, like it wasn't outlandish, but those were the correct silhouettes and the stacked like color palette. She looked great.
0: Yeah yeah and the kitchen you know even the the home decor that they did i thought that they did a pretty good job the dining room kind of felt and and some of the living room with the with the paneling and things i was like oh it's definitely still looks kind of 90s um but the kitchen specifically it was like they tried to throw it into a retro kitchen which
1: i appreciated i did like that kitchen i believe it was like not like completely color-coded but it was like slightly like red and yellow themed and it was yeah, it was very cute i liked it
3: you know, I'm thinking back to uh, was it Under Wraps when they're trying to move the mummy through town, and they put him in like this shit
1: Oh yeah!
0: 70s, like. yes. Wow. Well, that that song don't they play Get Down Tonight? They do. While doing that? They mm-hmm.
1: talk about Casey and the Sunshine Band a couple of times throughout this movie um, as a popular band that. They don't see iconography for in South Africa, so apparently everybody thought that they were black musicians. That that's a topic that comes up and about how like great they are. So yeah, they definitely played some more Casey and the Sunshine Band, which
0: again, if we all remember, my dad gave me
1: a Casey <laughs> and the Sunshine Band
0: um, <laughs> CD one Christmas. So then, as I was watching this movie, I was like, I wonder after what movie that. I watched that my dad was like, she, get, she should have this. Or did he watch all these movies with me? And he was like, obviously, Casey and the Sunshine Band is very popular. <laughs> yeah. This is TV. what all the kids are listening to. <laughs> but I loved it. I loved it. Don't get me wrong. And my dad loved it. You know, like that was, that was
1: definitely something that he would have listened to. So I dig it.
0: Um, yeah.
1: By the way, that's, I am just looking I at have. pictures of Casey and the Sunshine Band right now. And I <laughs> do love these sequined outfits. They're beautiful. <laughs> Agreed. (laughs) What flair?
0: (laughs) Um, I do also want to note that music specifically, um, so there's a lot of great music in this movie, um, and music is the first thing that bonds Mari and Piper together. Yeah. Um, Which I think is is very just true of 13, 14-year-olds in general, you know? What's your favorite band? Oh, me too. Let's be best
1: friends kind of a thing. So I thought that was cool. That was cute. And also in in conjunction with them having the same taste in music, they both, you know, before knowing who the other person was, got each other a a gift as a, a, you know, thank you for staying with me and thank you for having me. And they both said, well, all we really knew about each other was that you were about my age and a girl. And they both got each other bracelets. So, again, shows that. More similarities than differences, at least at at that point in time. Something else I'd like to bring up, and this is something that we have not
0: brought up. And, Andy, you might know. um, There's this test, right, that says whether whether a movie... It's all about women in movies. And about... The Bechdel test. If they're talking think Bechtel? yes it's b-e-c-h-d-e-l the Bechtel test okay um and whether or not they're talking it's it's I don't know what the rules are I'd have to look it up but it's it's basically does this movie have female people does
1: this movie have females in it that aren't talking about boys is basically it like are, are our... it's um I haven't looked up the actual things but I, I can in a second but I know the ones uh in general are Are there more than two women with names and line? And do they talk to each other not about men or other main characters? And I believe, I don't know if this is an official rule or one that, you know, the internet has kind of adopted, but it's colloquially known as the sexy lampshade rule, which is can her presence in a scene just be replaced with a sexy lampshade and not be missed? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, is she just there for eye candy does she have yeah does she have a purpose otherwise yeah
0: Hmm. now
3: i'm a little intrigued by the concept of a sexy
0: lampshade
1: (laughs) i'm picturing the the, christmas story yeah (laughs) yeah that's what i was thinking (laughs) that is exactly what i picture all right. Whether
0: a work features at least two women who talk to each other about something other than a man. So I don't think Johnny Tsunami would have passed.
1: No, because the no. only you know, uh, thinking about it. The mom and the, and mom the girl. And Emily. And, yeah. And they don't they don't yeah. talk to each other.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, well, Xenon would pass. Mm-hmm. This, one will pass. this is something we can discuss at a later date. Um, <laughs> but I I initially thought of this and was like, this one passes for sure. <laughs> yes. Um, was was the thought that I had there, although apparently I needed a lot of help getting around to that. But anyway, now hopefully our, our listeners have learned something new if they didn't already know about this. And this is definitely going to be something that we talk about in the future. Does it pass? Does it not? Maybe we'll do it in
1: our roundup movies 10 through 20. Ooh. And also, just uh, sorry, before we deviate too far away from the Bechdel test, um, again, in all all of my spamming and information sharing, I don't know if it's new or just new to me as someone that is also learning. There is a new thing that is called the Duvernay test. It's D-U-V-E-R-N-A-Y, which is essentially the Bechdel test, but for race. You know, are there more than one person of color that talk to each other and have names? Are they only there to prop up a white main character? You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that is another thing that's on the rise. Is that name named off after the director? I believe so. Um, what I'm looking at right now, because I Googled it, because I couldn't remember what the name was called. It says, um, Manola Dargis coins the Deverney test in order, in honor of, yeah, Ava Diverney. yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. So um, she works a lot with Oprah, and she did A Wrinkle in Time, and she does a lot of Movies that make sure that there are people of color in the movies and that they aren't there for, you know, tokenship or one liners that it's, it's a movie. If it's not a movie about these, these people of color specifically then they are integral to the plot
1: right right and, is that mm. what the test
0: is yeah okay. and
1: again it's, it's 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 similar to the Bechtel test it's like can this person be replaced with anybody else does it matter one of the rules that i saw that i i don't see in front of me but i, I remember it is is this person not quote unquote magic because you know it's like <laughs> The the magic black janitor that gives the white main character advice, you know, right. the right. similar to the sassy gay friend. Like, is are they just not a stereotype of what you think a POC mm. should be? Right. Yeah.
3: The prime example, I feel like, what sticks to my mind is the Legend of Bagger Vance, wonderful Will Smith movie. But he is basically a wizard of golf. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm. It's a good movie if you haven't seen I it. Have not. <laughs> However. Yeah, probably could just be replaced with a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> You're right.
2: I mean, something to note is that this is the second movie in a row by Disney Channel um, that is a primor- primarily black cast because we just yeah. did Up, Up, and Away. And so now we're hitting this one. And yep. <laughs> um, when I was when I was researching it, I read that between 2000 and 2010, there were nine Disney Channel movies that were created that featured a majority black cast. And then from 2011 to 2019 there was only one and it was wow. let it shine wow it
0: was
1: which one it's called
2: let it shine
1: i don't know that one i don't know I that don't one either. either i feel like it's kiki palmer-esque but i don't hmm.
0: however like i i want to note that that's not because of anything outside of i was old at that point right so, yeah exactly
1: um, that's why i don't know that well, one. Yeah. It's, it's it's a good number to note like we had nine and then we backtracked so far and yeah. I, I think yeah. I said this in the beginning uh, in, in our intro that I think it's interesting that when we go back and we're seeing these movies from the 90s and early 2000s, like, hey, yes, they, do they all have a easy to digest family friendly plot and or meaning? Yes, of course. That's that's what it's there for. But Disney does do a good job of touching on these different subjects that I feel like these days, because we have been removed from them, people are like, you know. We're so uppity and we're so about, you know, PC culture and it's getting out of hand. Mm -hmm. But it's like, no, these things were ingrained with us when they were young. Just for whatever reason, we stopped putting it in. And that's where we've got this divorce of, of, I think, understanding. It's not that it's new. It's that we were doing it. And for whatever reason, we stopped. Maybe maybe we had, you know, thought that, oh, we did this already. We're good. Everybody Mm -hmm. knows. But for whatever reason, we stopped pushing this message forward and you can you can just tell by those numbers we're having nine in one year to one in a couple of years that's kind of sad right yeah so i don't know if if we want to talk any more about anything or if we've said everything we have to say um well i did just want to share the the small bit of research that i did um more about it being a true story but i again the reason i wanted to cut it up between uh (laughs) the the heavy hitting topics is because it doesn't end super great So, as we discussed, um, it is based off a true story. The Dellum family, and specifically uh, Piper Dellum, is a real person and the family is real. The representative and Piper's dad is Ronald Dellums of California. So, Piper and her family did host a white South African student. In the movie, they were about 13 and 14. I think they say that uh, Piper is 13 and Mari is 14. I don't know how old Mari slash her real-life counterpart was, who is either Carrie or Kari. I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but it's spelled like Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E. It says that Piper was 11 at the time. Okay.
2: Okay.
1: So again, I don't know anything about, about Carrie. I can't even find her last name, unfortunately. But this is, this is not a, you know, a scholarly article, but I found something that I thought was very interesting. It's from tvguide.com, written by Sydney Green, um, and it's from March 2nd, 2009. It talks about how this was a true story, and it's based off of Piper's short story, as Dakota had said, that she'd written about her summer with Mari slash Carrie. And... They talk about the fact that they do say the N-word and the K-word in the movie, and they don't shy away from it. And they mention that they made the conscious decision to, A, obviously make the decision to keep it in a Disney movie that was aired on television, but they said that they wanted it to be said- casually because it describes how blind carrie was on the idea of race and racism even though she specifically says she would not say the k-word she understands it's bad but she hears it all the time and it is a casual thing in her life which i think is very true and it also talks about how in the movie again we said that mari um locks herself in her room after her shock of realizing that this family she's staying with is black piper does say in in real life piper say that um, her racism actually was, you know, much more pronounced than what we saw in the movie. It was more easy to digest for, for young people. But um, Carrie would actually not eat with the family. She wouldn't touch anything that they touched. She would put wrap her hands in towels in order to open doors. Um, and she would clean her own utensils before eating with them. And that it was a much, you know, it was a harder transition than in the movie They bond over music and shopping and now they're best friends. There was a, a real transition that they had to go through, but it is true that Piper and Carrie did become inseparable and they were best friends by the time that she leaves. When she does leave, It is said that in the movie, uh, Mari's dad is a police officer, and according to, um, I don't know if they mean Piper or Ronald Dellums, but it just says, according to Dellums, Carrie's father was actually a high-ranking judge, so he was even higher in the government than shown in the movie. Okay. And that the flag that we said we couldn't figure out what it was called, or just the the African flag, it is the African National Congress flag, and it was um, Solidarity with the Black Liberation Movement. It says that after she returned to South Africa, um, she actually not only, you know, walked the walk in the movie of showing her maid, Flora, that she was a part of the movement, but she actually started one of the first anti-apartheid underground movements for students in South Africa upon her return.
0: What? That's that's Yeah, it's
1: badass. Um, And she was staying in touch with both Piper and uh, Representative Ronald Dellums during her time because uh, she was constantly getting trouble and arrested for her organizing anti-apartheid movements she would write letters to the family and eventually communication ceased and I couldn't find where it was um, confirmed but it is assumed that it ceased because she had been murdered for her um... oh man yeah she had been uh, killed as a re- result of her activism on um, uh, stopping apartheid. Hmm.
0: So I was definitely trying to figure out if they
1: were still best friends
0: or, like, what happened. It doesn't
1: say what oh, year man. she stopped writing. Because, again, this is not a scholarly article. But it says that she just ceased communication and it was assumed that she had been killed. Oh, my god! Yeah. So, again, not sunny, happy thoughts. But I wanted to share that, like, even though the movie ends on a happy note and obviously we get the the epilogue of apartheid has officially ended, it wasn't performative, which, again, is a big thing in today's movement. It wasn't just, you know, this white person, you know, feigning solidarity. Mari slash Carrie was a real person who took the lessons that she did learn in America and did try to enact change in her own country. And she did end up dying for the cause, essentially. So even though it's not fun, I did think that was really important. And then something that Aaron actually mentioned when he talked about how it's kind of bittersweet to see this you know this perfect bubble of America that is presented in the movie because obviously it still wasn't great 20 years ago when the movie was made you could argue um, at least in the social sphere that it's gotten worse even if there are um, more laws in place although I'm not sure what has been rolled back at the moment but there it's definitely presented as you know Africa is evil slash South African government is evil and America is this perfect utopia where racism doesn't exist because we ended segregation and everybody is happy. One of the things that Piper says in this article was that the reason they did that um was because it was safer to have a race conversation that didn't focus on American problems in order for it to get Sure, and that's light. that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's not a happy utopia 90s version or now, but it was easier for them to create a sellable and digestible product if they focused on racism, but not America's racism.
0: Well, and I think that's a very smart play, right? Because like, is it completely accurate? No. Does it make it totally accessible into each and every like person's home that could get disney channel in 2000 and whose kid wanted to watch every decom that came out absolutely and those parents were there like watching these movies with those kids you know ideally so
1: it's a smart play yeah it kind of reminds me of you know uh the crucible this was not a book about salem witch trials it was a book about the red scare but we couldn't talk about it so we put it in a different form So, um, it's problematic when you look at, you know, how things are compared, but when you understand why they made these choices, I think it makes more sense. And like you said, like this, this brought it into people, more people's homes and, um, adults that were maybe not confronting these ideas at that time. were now confronting it with their children. Um, and I think that's great. Yep. Agreed. So I'm
0: going to give this. I feel like I can't give it a 10 out of 10 just because if I'm trying to be fair to the movie, like as they, as, it, as it got made, especially like, there's some historically inaccurate things and, you know, the whole utopia of, of idea. And it was kind of weird. And there were some interesting things that they chose to pass off as the seventies that, <laughs> that weren't. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give this one just because And it's, I don't know, I I can't give it a 10, but then I feel stupid giving Brink a 10. You know, anyway, it's fine. It's fine. It's in in what you like, I guess. But I'm going to give this one a 9 out of 10. And I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. What is the flag called? Liberation flag? Uh, Oh, I just had it. It was. Or maybe I can give it 9 out of 10 Casey and the Sunshine Band (laughs) records. I can do that. Either one. That's what we'll go
1: with. African National Congress flag. Just for, okay. for future
0: reference. Aaron, what about you? Um,
3: I don't know. This, a lot of the things that you said, you know, it historically, eh, you know. Some things change. Um, I think that this movie was super important for all the things that you said. I don't know if I'm ready to look past some of the ideas that, Oh, America's great, and we don't have these problems. Africa's terrible. But I am... Yeah, I'm going to go
0: ahead and tell you guys that Aaron did not like it as we were watching it. He was like, this isn't accurate, and, you know, and I totally... He's absolutely right.
3: I will say I'm going to give this movie um, 8 out of 10 uh, black congressmen.
1: (laughs) All (laughs) righty. Okay. Chris, how do you feel?
2: It's such an important film, and I think one that has definitely shaped a lot of us of our generation, at least like the beginning of our ideals. But like y'all have said already, there's a lot of inaccuracies. It's a very simplified plot point just to get like the whole idea across. So while the meaning behind it and the importance deserves a 10, I'm going to give it a 9 as well, just based off of everything else. And I'll go with A and C flags.
0: Very nice. I like that you just said that the importance deserves a ten. However, yeah, like, cause like my mm. heart is giving it like a seven because like yeah. I don't really like it, but also, <laughs> yeah. Um, but also the importance factor, and I
1: do love the message. So like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm doing something similar. I'm also gonna give it a nine. The message hits it out of the park, but. There are some obstacles there that we can't really uh, hurdle over, whether it's the treatment of America as a shining utopia that we, you know, especially given today's problems, we can't really look past. And the fact that it stops growth in the American setting, even though it does showcase the growth in uh, South Africa... Again, saying all the same things, it's meaning and and everything is a ten. The execution right. and maybe uh, some of the more problematic issues bring it down a notch. So I am also gonna say nine, and I'm gonna say nine Weaver birds. Ooh. So that brings our
0: average to eight point seven five, which rounds up to a nine. So
1: overall, we liked it. Yeah, and it, again, yeah. we we know it's not the most comfortable, but we think that this movie did a really good job. Like I was honestly more scared about watching this movie. Like, I was afraid, A, it wouldn't hold up, or B, it was going to, you know, like, haunt me with how terrible it was or how awful, you know, they portrayed things. But they made it really palatable or palatable. Um, I enjoyed watching the movie, and I still felt like I learned something after, you know, having not seen it in probably 20 years.
0: You know, decoms just, just doing the most. We love DCOMs. <laughs> um, that's why we're here. <laughs> So I want to say thank you to everyone all of our listeners for going with us on this journey um, as we said at the top of the show it was not going to be an easy episode to get through I'm looking at the time stamp ticking by on our on on the second part and I'm gonna go ahead and tell you that this might actually be the longest um, <laughs> episode of this podcast that we have recorded at this point so hopefully you're sticking here with us and I hope that you guys enjoyed it um, at least as much as we did and let us know if you have any information that you want to share or anything that you want to talk about because this was this was a good one and this is a a great way I think to open up some dialogue which I think is is generally what DCOMs like to do um, no matter what the aspect is that we're talking about so join us next in two weeks from now right oh, no. join us in two weeks yeah. from now um when we discuss what's the next movie Annie cat strike which i don't know anything about oh my gosh
2: i'm so excited <laughs> chris, and I like this one. Yes.
0: Chris. chris i'll text you because Please. i want <laughs> we really like this yes. one and um and i think that you guys are going to love mm-hmm. it. So, um, so yeah, thanks again for joining us as we as we navigate the color of friendship and join us in 2 weeks. We'll be back with Alley Cat Strike. Thanks. See Bye. Bye. Bye.